Hello and welcome to DigFinVox, Voices in Digital Finance. I'm your host, James DiBiazio. If you enjoy the program, like, subscribe, do all that social media stuff. My guests today are Ankit Suri and Jessica Liu, co-founders of Planto, a Hong Kong-based fintech startup that is helping consumers with personal finance and banks with a range of digital projects. Ankit and Jessica spoke with me about their origins, how the business has pivoted, the fact that it's been profitable for a number of years, what that means for how they manage their risks, how they grow, the decisions they make, both to do things or not do things, and what could be the potential for an exit. Ankit Suri and Jessica Liu from Planto, welcome to Digfin Vox. Thank you, James. Thanks, so we're going to talk today about you're a startup here in Hong Kong. You're in the uh, the personal ma wealth management space, uh, a, a tough space, but you're here after quite a few years. Um, so I think, you know, a, a budding success story in the ecosystem. I'd love to understand a little bit about the origins of your business. Uh, and then we'll talk about some of the pivots and where we're going to head after this. So, uh, you know, why don't you two give me a quick intro into really just how you met? Because uh, I know there was, um, you know, there's been other people involved in the, in this business, but essentially you two are the the face of Planto now. Um, and uh, would love just to understand how this whole thing got together and how you got it off the ground. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Jane, thanks for having us. Um, so actually, uh, Planto uh, started uh, back in uh, late 2017, actually. Uh, we, uh, we, we were incorporated in 2018. But and 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 initially the company sort of uh, you know consisted of three co-founders um, and and they but the initial idea of Planto was actually you know a little different from what we are doing today. Yeah, but sure. the initial the initial way sort of it all started out was um, you know it was it was sort of myself Yusuf and Taha who you know who came from sort of a personal financial management background. Uh, sort of digital banking background and wanted to wanted to enable customers with a personal financial management sort of offering, uh, which is modeled around sort of open banking. Uh, and then as we started the company, we had we had uh, you know friends joining us. So you know Jessica joined us as a co-founder. But over the years, as the company has evolved, uh, we have um, uh, we have actually started focusing on the uh, enterprise or the B two B segment where we work closely with banks. And it's really been the last three years where Jessica and I've been working very closely with various financial institutions to actually, uh, you know, uh, map out this whole for value proposition and, and seek value and, and find value, uh, you know, for the company while doing so. We'll get into that, that, that pivot in that new proposition, but I'd just like to hear Jessica's take on this. What, what made you join this, uh, this little band of pirates? Yeah, I mean, it was really, it's it's interesting because actually um, bef uh, when they first started out, I was just helping out on the side, right? Because I had a full-time job back then. And then I was just like, okay, I want to validate the solution that we had in the market, which was, um, you know, personal finance management app. I wanted to validate like the solution. I wanted to see, you know, if people really had this pain point. So I actually uh, joined the Startup, startup Weekend um, International Women Edition. Um, so that was around March and I basically went there, pitched the idea and I've just heard so many people that are saying they have this pain point and that this app would just solve their, a lot of their issues. 
And they were after that, even though it was just supposed to be a two day session, they came up to me, they actually asked me, when are you guys going to do, are you guys going to actually launch it? And that's really when I was just like, oh, okay, this is really something that we should double down on. Um, and that's kind of when I was like, okay, um, I'll just quit my job. Um, I, I used to be in finance and then um, I joined these guys and um, yeah, and, and there's history. Before we get into the, the the new sort of business side of it, um, what is that pain point, Jessica, that you're identifying that so many people say they have and has anything changed in the intervening years? So the core pain point that we're seeing, it's something that is not only just a niche, but we're seeing a wider market, even ourselves, like um, the co-founders, the other executives, you know, we all or majority of us came from um, a finance background or worked in banks, but we still struggle to manage our finances because there is no way during that time anyway, we could actually have all of our bank accounts in one place. Most people, they worked on Excel for hours per month to actually identify this. Some people don't even bother, which means they're actually missing a out on a lot of, let's say, you know, how their finances are. So that's kind of where that pain point is. And our solution um, at its core is to help users kind of aggregate all of their finances in one place. Um, this is across all asset liabilities, uh, you know, income and expenses as well to let them get a view and insights on um, their financial profile. And how do you track if that actually helps them? Yeah, so actually at the core of um, uh, at the core of the platform, I think account aggregation or sort of getting all your assets in one place is is the beginning of actually making smart financial decisions. Mm -hmm. So the way the platform um, you know looks at looks at uh, sort of the success criteria of the platform in itself is we have a marketplace of financial products where users can basically you know start to look at uh, you know, investing, start to, you know, purchase sort of get get various kind of loan decisions being made. So actually we've got a marketplace of products that associated with the product, as well as there are features in the app that actually help users understand what their financial health score looks like. So we're looking at various actions based on a defined financial health framework. And 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 as we see sort of customers taking those, we are able to see the progress in the way customers are making smart, smarter financial decisions. So it's it's end-to-end -end in the sense that you know, we we see people sort of making a financial decisions, they link it back to the app, we know they've done it, and therefore we see their net worth growing over time. Is Jim, there sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry, if you don't mind, I'll supplement that too. Um Please. because we're we're also very um data focused. So we actually use a lot of tools to actually track, let's say, the retention rate, the engagement rate, and also um which features tend to have more touch points in the app. So that's one indication of why we can how we can see if our app is effective, right? Especially on a feature basis. And another way we can see it is that we're seeing a lot of organic growth in the beginning, where friends um, would tell their other friends to use our app, um, which is why our cost per acquisition was um, quite low for a finance app. Um, so yeah, just supplementing on a more data database. And, um, I guess two questions on this one. Uh, one is we don't have like a, a proper open banking regime in Hong Kong today. Uh, it's been a very long, slow work in progress. Um, so how do you get the data? Um, how, how, how do you manage that? Um, I, I trust we're not just screen scraping here, but uh, maybe a little bit, I don't know. Uh, and so the first question is how you get the data. And then my second question is going to be looking forward is like, can you use AI to like create some sort of like 
digital relationship manager to like bring that kind of, you know, any kind of, I don't know if this could be a, a licensing issue, but advice or help to to people to, to continue that journey of, of decision-making. So who wants the, the data ingestion question? Yeah, I mean, when we started out uh, launching the consumer-facing app, uh, there was actually no open banking. There is no open banking in Hong Kong. So uh, in order to enable these functionalities, we had to, you know, model out a technology that 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 sort of perhaps helps the market validate why open banking is needed as well. Um, so, you know, we built up a technology that uses automation, some degree of screen scraping as well, and 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 basically relied on consumer consent to to help us, you know, really uh, you really figure out the consumer needs as well as the appetite, customer appetite for a product like that. Um, and and uh, you know, we've been we've been on that journey since, and um, and uh, you know, looking forward to seeing how we can translate. Uh, these learnings and sort of uh, the technology that has evolved uh, into into when open banking launches in this region um, and 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 sort of leverage that expertise for for financial institutions. Jessica, personal assistant, viable or uh, too too much of a, a leap for for where you're at? I think it's a bit it's a bit it's a bit hard to say because it depends on priorities as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know personal assistant if let's say we get a lot of feedback from our customers who we do talk to quite a lot um that you know they really want to have an assistant to guide them you know this is something definitely we can explore um but for now i think it's just our goal right here is to promote the idea of ids like secure <laughs> um, data exchange between um between banks but in future we won't rule that out at all yeah Okay. So, and Jim, actually, on the note of the uh, you know financial advisor, as we have worked with banks on on the use cases around sort of personal financial management, it it's it's not exactly advice yet because advice is often regulated. Right. But what we have definitely seen is banks wanting to give you know insights around customers' finances based on their data, right? So data driven insights and insights is the beginning of advice because. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, advice can often be, um, you know, advice it, it, advice can be quite specific. So what we are doing is we are basically enabling guidance around customers. And, and obviously in our implementations with banks, we hope to track the feedback from the customers on that in terms of, you know, how they are interacting with these, with these insights, how they are acting upon them, and then sort of leverage that data to continue evolving. So I think advice is going to be an evolving process for us. Uh, we'll just have to figure out the regu regulatory aspect of it as we get there. But but like Jessica mentioned, it's all about you know whether customers want it or need it. Because mm -hmm. even though we know that there is advice gap, the question keeps coming back to us: Are customers even looking for advice? Right? Uh, are they uh, or are they looking for advice from their banks or sort of fintech apps like us, or are they just happy going to friends or reading, you know, uh, you know, listening to their sort of key influences? So. It comes down to customer adoption. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So why don't we talk a little bit about the pivot? Uh, then when you sort of expanded from consumer into business, so Hong Kong's a it's a small market. Um, uh, I can imagine that it, it's probably tough to just have a business doing PFM in a in for seven million people population. Uh, what else drove this decision, I guess, to expand into the enterprise side? What does it look like working with the banks more directly? Uh, and um, and how is it quite 
how is it similar and how is it quite different to, to what you were originally doing just on the consumer um, personal management side? Yeah. So um, how, so this all happened in 2019 slash 2020 when mm. COVID started. And as you can see, when COVID starts, you know, um, banks, you know, they're spearheading their digitization. Right. And um, because by the time, you know, Planto has been around for around two, three years, and we've gained quite attraction in the market. So we had around 200,000 registered users back then. Um, we peaked at number two on App Store in the finance category above, you know, all the banking apps, actually. And we were involved in a lot of, like I say, FinTech Week events talking about, you know, our propositions. So uh, quite a few banks reached out to us and asking us, you know, um, it came in different forms. It came in form of consultation, um, advice, also in terms of de product development, prototyping. You know, how can we help them, let's say, build something that's similar to Planto? Because they know what we built is market validated. They know based on our sharing that um, we know which ones matter. Um, and then we realize, oh, you know, if you know, you know Planto is is great, but um, if we actually worked with banks to expand these solutions two different institutions, our impact would be even greater. Mm -hmm. And so that's when, you know, we we get we got involved. And um and to be honest, like for, for us, um, for me personally anyway, it was it was quite surprising because you realize when you have your knowledge um you know from your experience, the banks really appreciate it. Um, because it's something that is very hard for them, right? Um to get. Um, so it's been a, a great process for us and and you know everything is about timing. Back then there wasn't IDS. Open banking was still very slow. Um, but we're hoping that, you know, um, with IDS launching very soon, uh, this will change. Right. And just um, yeah. quickly explain what you, you've been using this term, IDS. Many people probably don't know what that is. <clears throat> so IDS is basically, uh, you know, a new policy that is launching in Hong Kong. Uh, uh, it's actually already announced, but uh, we'll, we'll see sort of when it goes live, probably later this year. But what it does, it, it enables banks to share data with each other. Um, so um, it's it's a form of open banking, which basically only includes banks, um, and um, I believe it's the it's the licensed retail uh, and the SME banks in Hong Kong will be able to share uh, data with each other. Uh, details are yet to be announced on uh, the exact scope of that data uh, or how it will evolve over time, but um, uh, that's that's basically Hong Kong's version of open banking as it's starting out uh, later this year. Right. Okay. Thanks for that. So this leads me to, I guess, one question around your your business model, whether it's on the enterprise side or the the, the consumer side, <clears throat> is is all about an open banking model, which has been slow to non-existent to, to evolve here. We've seen other fintechs like Genie threw in the towel um, on this issue. Um, are you optimistic that this is a, a viable, I mean, do you have a plan B if open banking in Hong Kong turns out to be a damp squib? Um, is, is there another way to, to pivot to continue to grow and scale the business? Or are you sort of, is it a, you know, all the chips are in on, on this happening? So when we started looking at working with banks on uh, sort of technology solutions, uh, actually, it was... It was it was not something that was actually we we hadn't narrowed it down to only open banking use cases. Mm -hmm. I think the idea was that banks were reaching out to us because they trusted us as as a team. They knew that you know we could we could execute we we were sort of extremely customer centric and could execute on customer insights to sort of deliver a great solution. So when we started sort of talking to banks, 
if you know it it kind of like extended to more than open open, open banking sort of use cases i mean back then virtual banks had started to launch there was uh, and there was also um, you know the hkma 2025 fintech strategy that was that that was, that had also come out so digitization and sort of customer experiences were two other sort of themes that were you know becoming extremely important to financial institutions so i think as part of the extension towards b2b it was natural that you know open banking might be a little far out but mm. it doesn't mean that banks don't need to prepare towards leveraging data right and it starts out with use cases on you know digitization use cases on customer experience and lastly you know how do we ensure that or how do banks ensure that they are actually serving the underserved and so that's when actually specifically speaking we also started looking into the sme banking segment as well where we actually did a similar research and and um, and and basically you know spoke to more than 50 smes and ultimately you know we are working with the bank to actually enable the whole sme banking proposition for them so for planto as a company you know it's all about providing value to banks it doesn't have to be through open banking open banking is something we are we, you know, it's it's something that we started out with. It's something that we have expertise in, but uh, at the at the forefront of it, we are extremely customer centric, and we are going to evolve based on that. Is your business primarily Hong Kong banks and the Hong Kong environment, or particularly with the the B two B stuff? Are you able to then turn that into a, a regional or a global business? Yeah. So actually, um, we worked with a few banks in Taiwan mm -hmm. um, on. ESG propositions and also PFM, PFM propositions as well. And um, we're now, so we're always diversifying our risk. We won't put all, all our eggs in one basket. So we're really looking at other regions who are focused on open banking right now. So as an example, right, um, you have uh, KSA, Saudi Arabia, um, you have UAE who, you know, both reach, um, you know, both have been very, very ambitious uh, in terms of um, what they want to achieve, which is great um, because they're welcoming a lot of uh, overseas fintechs who have experience in these um, to to get into the conversation as well. Okay, that's great. And you guys, it's been about six years now since Planto has been around uh, and you're still here, which uh, in, in this environment is a win. Um, so what is the, you know, the, your, your funding situation? How are you making sure that you've got, you know, the the funding that you need for for now and, and and going ahead so when we started out uh we had raised a seed round as part of a consumer proposition um however you know just when covid was starting to hit um we we sort of you know we turned on sort of various kind of revenue um sort of aspects to the you know from from the distribution that we had built up and basically in a very short time we found ourselves as a profitable company, and and the great thing about uh, you know expanding our business towards B two B is that we don't we don't need that level of burn on sort of investment as what a consumer proposition needs with all the marketing. So right. actually, we've been profitable as a company for the last sort of three plus years, and we've been reinvesting those profits into you know R and D of new B two B products. Uh, as well as uh, you know, uh, growing and expanding the team, not just in Hong Kong but in other regions as well, so that we have footprint in other other uh, other parts of the world to to actually start um, start uh, growing the market there. And I think one other thing around um, growth and funding is that 
Hong Kong's been a great start for us because one of the things that we are seeing is that it's it's actually got a great organic growth opportunity. What it means is that a lot of banks who are here also have entities in other markets as well. So it is very natural for them to leverage a successful, you know, implementation here, successful pilot here, and introduce us to the other entities, uh, you know, in other markets. And that's where we are seeing organic growth. And we don't think we actually need a lot of funding in order to achieve that. Yeah. Um, so it's all been focused on profitability and reinvesting that. Okay, that's great. Um, and um, I'm, I'm sure there's many startups that would would envy that that position. Um, are there any drawbacks? I mean, I, obviously, there's there's always drawbacks working with VCs. Uh, we, we hear about those. Are there any drawbacks to not working with them in terms of, I mean, it sounds like you've already got your network because of your client base, but is there anything else that, um, any other door openers that that sort of thing could provide or or you or it's it's really just about getting up and running. I think one of the advantage that uh, we have seen from venture capital is that institutional investors specifically, uh, you know, they might actually be bullish on a particular sector, and they might invest in multiple companies in this space. So they might look at a company who's doing a similar thing in Asia and a company who's doing a similar thing in North America. And one of the things that you know, could be, could come out of that is that you actually can get access to insights or learnings that, you know, a company, a similar company is having in other part of the world, right? Because, uh, you know, as an investor, they're heavily sort of incentivized to ensure that both of them succeed. So I think, you know, access to insights is, is one thing. Secondly, I think, uh, you know, as invest, uh, uh, VCs often sort of have certain idea on sort of the trends and foresights from the industry as well. Um, so I think, you know, getting access to that could be interesting, but I think it can become hugely advantageous if actually the LP base of, of, of that, uh, you know, VC itself is actually a potential client or, or, you know, a customer, a customer segment that we are targeting. So actually a VC could be extremely valuable in getting insights from them or even connecting us to them as well, uh, which can, which can help a company grow. Because obviously a global bank is going to have plenty of insights already. Um, so that's great. So uh, what's the the plan then? I mean, where do you guys see Planta going as a business, as founders, um, at some point, some kind of liquidity event? I mean, you know, maybe one of the banks buys you or maybe you need to stay independent so you can work for multiple banks. How do you kind of see that future playing out? Yeah, so maybe uh, I'll input here. So actually for us, you know, what we've learned in the past few years um, at Planto is things are always changing, right? Mm-hmm. Even at, in Planto when we first started, probably some of us were like, oh, I want an IPO or <laughs> I want to be acquired by, I don't know, for uh, we want to be a unicorn. But obviously, you know, that's just, that's difficult, right? And I think um, that experience has led us to be very grounded in terms of like, okay, always be prepared for any potential scenarios. Like, you know, in the past, um, we've had a couple of, uh, you know, companies who've reached out to us about acquisition um, and, and you know, we had opportunities there. But I think for us, fundamentally, um, we just want to be focused on building um, the right product and, you know, so, um, providing it to the banks um, that need them at this point. Um, so for us, you know, any in future, I mean, we welcome any, um, you know, invest, uh, not invest, sorry, any potential acquisition, potential IPOs. But I think we're quite grounded um, at this point where we just want to focus on, you know, making profitability, making the business do well 
and and sustain it. So obviously, you know, you keep doing this for a while, and you know, the, the obviously the value of the business will go up a lot more. I mean, I yeah, guess that's exactly. sort of a that's a no brainer, I guess, from what you're saying. Yeah. Um, what what else? We've talked about risk management. You know, you've tried to diversify your business. You've tried to diversify your client base, your geography. Um, you've been sort of nose the grindstone with just keeping the thing making money and not focusing on 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 uh, too much fancy stuff. What what else have you learned uh, as as co-founders of a startup uh, in the past couple of years? Uh, any other key lessons for for other um, founders? I think one of the uh, I think as a, as as founder, it's extremely important to be sort of opportunistic. I think in the time that we started out, you know, we've gone through a pandemic, we've gone through somewhat social unrest in the city as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, from the outside, it definitely looks like it's been a difficult time for, for you know, companies within the city. Um, but I think as entrepreneurs, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's actually more important to focus on the opportunities that are coming out of it, uh, as opposed to, you know, just focusing on Sort of the negatives. So I think the main thing is is to be extremely optimistic and is to is to is to look at uh, you know what's that new trend that that is coming because of the changes that are happening. Right? There's a golden rule in entrepreneurship. Is what I've heard is what I've learned is that every time something new happens, you know whether that's uh, whether that's a war erupting in some part of the world or whether that's whether that's a new regulatory policy that is coming out. There is going to be a fundamental. There is going to be a change in the way demand cycles work or demand works. So you know, can you actually be the one to leverage that? So that's basically what we have been uh, doing. Uh, you know, people associate us as an open banking company, but actually, the things that we are doing with banks go way beyond open banking right now, right? And that's because we have always been extremely uh, open to you know feedback and, and sort of acting on that and and sort of evolving as a company as and as people to 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 fit ourselves into the opportunity Great. yeah sorry. just to supplement here sorry dream um no, please uh, take it take, take us home jessica because <laughs> i just wanted to give an example of of what i just echoing what ankit was was talking about how um you know things change time you know due to timing opportunities and whatnot um i think a lot of a lot of people like you guys also mentioned see us as I say a PFM open banking kind of uh, company but we have gone into solutions that we've never thought we would you know when we first started Planto so as an example um, you know we've done the corporate SME banking side of things and the next step we're actually focused on is the lending side you know when we started building our machine learning models for um, PFM um, we didn't know this could actually be very useful for let's say the credit assessment process and that's when you know talking to banks you know in the past few years we realized okay our models have been trained on millions of data it can um you know generate insights in a matter of seconds and now we're piloting this with um a bank who who is considering you know using it in future and you know this is just very exciting and i think this also comes down to having um, a good team as well i think we've been very fortunate to have like a well-rounded team who is very focused um, on what we wanted to achieve collectively as well. Yeah. Um, and then last question, is there a point when you also, you know, talking about, you know, Ankit, you're talking about that optimism, finding the next trend. Uh, Jessica, you're talking about, you know, uh, 
trying new things with banks and finding yourselves doing even more interesting work that you never thought of. But is there also a point where you had to say no, that something is an extension that's that's too far? I mean, have you have you faced a situation like that where you had to maybe pull back from an opportunity because maybe it was a, a, a wrong a wrong turn? Yeah, I mean, we didn't act on, uh, like, we don't have anything in the world of blockchain or Web3 at the moment. So, uh, you know, we uh, there are certain areas that we, as a company, uh, even if we hear of an opportunity, you know, we take a step back and we, um, we sort of study that, we choose to analyze that as opposed to sort of act upon it. Um, so... I think we have a we have a sort of a, dis, a process in place internally to to analyze these opportunities. So yeah, Web3 is just an example, uh, and it can be a little counterintuitive as well, given Hong Kong is definitely trying to be a hub for that. But as a Hong Kong sort of incorporated Hong Kong grown company, it's something that we haven't uh, you know put our foot into yet. Okay. Well, all right. Good example, um, and uh, and all things considered, probably a wise one. Um, Ankit and Jessica, thank you so much for joining me on Digfin Vox. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jay.